Every single pod I start, I'm like, damn it, Shanks fucked up the editing. And then it didn't catch on until like the third time. I'm like, oh, this is like his bit. <laughs> All right, folks, welcome to another episode of the Pod Squad Pod. We got the full gang here today, ready to break down your favorite rivalry, the Padres and the Dodgers. We're going to talk about how these rosters stack up with one another. Uh, but first, introducing RJ. RJ, how you doing? Doing great, you know, excited, glad that uh, Tatis is okay. I know we all, you know, felt our hearts stop for a little bit, but he's good to go. And yeah, we're, we're almost there, guys. The season is upon us. We're almost there. Yes, the season is very much afoot. We are officially one week out. Joe, how about you doing? How are you pumped for the season? I'm so pumped. I, I couldn't even comprehend that opening day is just a week away. It's going to sneak up on us, but... I cannot wait for the season to get started. All right. And lastly, joined as always by Greg Goen. Greg, how's it going? Oh, man. I mean, what a time to be alive. We, uh, I mean, I am a little tired of Jay saying, if it was the regular season, this guy would be playing. I'd rather they just all be okay. Um, but how can you not be excited, man? I mean, looking at Blake Snell pitch, uh, obviously Darvish pitch, it's just uh, a lot of pageantry, a lot of excitement um, for uh, Pods fans everywhere, except for the customer service uh, team for ticket sales. That's the only thing that doesn't seem excited right now that it's involved with the Padres. Yes, the customer service must be, uh, must be dying. They, they may or may not have gotten one call from me. Uh, no comment on what was said, but uh, wasn't thrilled. <laughs> they're about to get it. They're about to get a call from me. My, I am nowhere near my assigned section, and uh, it feels like they're just throwing darts at the uh, the seating chart to figure out where your where your seats are. Let me are. ask you, RJ, did you get axed from opening day a week before it started? Um, uh, no. Then comment. I want to hear nothing from you. <laughs> <laughs> Another shout out, Jeff Sanders. What the hell, man? Two games in a row, he's put Camarena as one of his probable pitchers, and I've not seen Daniel on the map. So, Jeff, get it really together. Beautiful. Get it together. You know what? You know what, Tyler? That might be a thing where Tinkler said if Camarena was healthy, he'd, if, or if it was a regular <laughs> season thing, he'd be pitching, but maybe he's got a little nick or something. They want to hold him out. Has any reliever been more effective during spring training than Camarena? I don't think so. I don't think so. Closer role? Maybe. I mean, I don't have the stats in front of me, but that sounds entirely accurate to me. So I, I agree. He's been the most effective guy by far. All right, but let's compare some of these rosters, kind of like we did. Unfortunately, the Dodgers slightly more competitive with us than the other teams in the division that we mentioned last podcast. Let's break down the catchers first. Of course, they have the junior fresh prince. They have Will Smith. They also have the human fungo, Austin Barnes. Consistently grounding out to shortstop every at bat. Um, so obviously Nola a little bit nicked up with the the injured hand, but uh, we also have Joe's boy Caratini and of course uh, let's go Camposano. So uh, we'll start with Greg. Greg, how do you feel the catchers compare? Um, I, I will say I am a little concerned about the catching spot for the Padres. Um, you know, it's really hard to see Nola get another weird injury but he's a tough guy so i expect him hopefully to see him um you know pretty close to opening day if not a few weeks after um the one thing that i will say is tough is um you know will smith is a damn good player uh, i think he's one of the best hitting catchers in baseball right now um so we definitely have to see 
Um, we definitely have to see how, uh, you know, that goes with if he continues on this, you know, pretty upward trends of hitting. I will also say that I'm pumped for Caratini. Everything you heard from the Cubs fans when that, um, you know, when that announcement happened was they weren't just sad about you. They were legitimately sad about Caratini. And you can just tell during spring training, he's a locker room guy. A lot of people love him. Uh, and so I, you know, I would say, going to be honest, I would give the Dodgers the, a small one up here, but I want to see what happens with Nola. To piggyback off what you said, Greg, I, I agree. I think the uh, Dodgers do have a slight edge um, in the catcher role, mainly because of Will Smith. I mean, offensively, he is really good, and he's, you know, there's really not that much of a drop off defensively. Um, but they, they are really high on Austin Barnes. I mean, he gets a lot of playing time and it, it you know, kind of has like reminiscent feels of, you know, how the Potters just kind of kept clutching on Austin Hedges, even though he was a clear liability offensively, you know, I, I, they really like Barnes's defense and any hit they can get out of him is just, you know, surplus. Um, but that being said, you know, we were we had two of the worst <laughs> duos back there last year. So anything up. Anything other than Mejia and Hedges is an upgrade at this point. And, uh, you know, fortunately, that's not the cornerstone of, of our team is the catcher. It is going to be sad uh, not to see Mejia just run over Austin Barnes like four times during this season. I don't know why, but I feel like he had a lot of those. <laughs> no, I'm the shittier catcher. No, I'm the shittier <laughs> catcher. No, I am. Like. <laughs> I think those are all four times that Mejia got on base all season too. So it's amazing that he collided with Barnes. <laughs> Joe, any thoughts on the catchers before we move on to the next position? Yeah, I'm going to disagree with both of you. I think the Padres have the advantage, and it's simply arithmetic. We have three legitimate number ones, and Nola, Campusano, and Caratini. The Dodgers have two. Three is greater than two. I give the check to my Padres. You're really going with Cabert Ruiz already? Their prospect is their number two? Because I know you're not talking about the human fungo. That guy is not qualifying as number one <laughs> in anything. I'm just saying we have three legitimate number ones. That's greater than the two Dodger catchers. I'm not putting a label next to Smith or Barnes. I think the Padres have the advantage there. If Smith or Barnes go down, then like you said, Tyler, they got to go to that prospect that nobody knows. We already have two number ones behind our guy. So I don't see how the Padres are uh, – trailing the Dodgers on this position at all. Yeah, it's impossible to argue against that logic. I agree. So uh, let's just go on to first base. Uh, we have at first base for the Dodgers, everyone's favorite troglodyte, Max Muncy, and then being backed up by Matt Beatty, another uh, just incredible, incredible talent. Uh, and then we have RJ's favorite player on the team, Eric Hogg. RJ, let's start with you. This is rough because, uh, as we know, I'm uh, not not the highest on Hosmer. Um, if anybody wants a, a great account to follow on Twitter, uh, follow Did Eric Hosmer Ground Out Today? Uh, spoiler alert, he's been doing that a lot lately. No big <laughs> deal. Um, but Max Muncy is one of those weird players where everybody like talks about how, you know, his like plate discipline and blah, blah, blah. He's going to hit 200. He may hit 20 bombs. He may hit 15. I mean, it, it's not... There's, I'm not scared of Max Muncy, okay? Fear does not strike me when I see him walk into the dish. I'm like, okay, this is a pop-up or a strikeout. So Hosmer, if he can just 
keep lifting that that launch angle just one degree launch every angle. year until we stop grounding the double plays. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I like I like our chances uh, defensively. I'd love to see anyone else but Hosmer out there, but that's that's another topic. Hey, hey, just really quickly, RJ, it's did did Eric Hosmer ground into a double play? I just want to make sure that is known because that happens a lot, and that's the Twitter account. But to get to get right into just Hosmer, I mean, you know, I have full belief in him, and there's there's a major reason why. He's one of the reasons that Bebo Tatis came up. Uh, earlier than we, you know, all thought he would, and now has a 14-year contract. I think Hosmer has a lot to do with that. He's the dad in the clubhouse. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna say that Hosmer's gonna have a damn good season. That launch angle stuff is real. He's a big stats, uh, you know, stat cast guy. So hopefully uh, he listens to uh, what his coaches are saying. But can I just float an idea? Why are we? Why like? Why hasn't Cronenworth been put at first base more? The guy is a 15. 15- time gold glove winner if he's at first base for his career well then where are you playing hosmer you know i'm just hoping for the dh at this point (laughs) it's not happening (laughs) (laughs) so so on top of you being wrong there greg you're also wrong in the twitter account it is did eric hosmer grad out today no it's to a double play right or no it's i'm I'm looking at the account right now (laughs) i I think i follow a different hosmer <laughs> Shouts to that guy. The last one is yes, but hey, RBI. <laughs> yeah, that's really well. Done. Hey, give credit where oh credit's due. You're right, RJ. I I definitely follow a did Hosmer ground out to a double play one. That's so cool. Wow, multiple accounts. That's that's amazing. I wonder if it's the same. I guy. love Padres. Well, we know Twitter. it is. It's, it's be the same. Guy. It is. We know it is. It's RJ. <laughs> Oh no! That's why I was the the double play guys, not me. That's why I was so confident in the uh, the original one because I'm like, this is my account. I don't know why he's arguing. With I me. So, oh yeah, this, totally. Uh, that's hilarious. This account though, you go down like two, and it's this guy tweeting classic Haas, and he's just missing a routine crowd ball. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! All right, so we're gonna give the edge to Max Muncy here. <laughs> Hey, hey, I haven't gone yet, Tyler. I'm going Hosmer. I mean, I want I want to piggyback off of what Greg said. I think Hosmer is a, a big-time clubhouse leader. All Max Muncy has done in his life was tell Mad Bum to go get the ball out of the water. I mean, he has one highlight in his whole career. I think Hosmer is the better guy. Again, that's very true. That is very true. I mean, Max Muncy is the classic, uh, you know, new, new Day analytics where he either walks or probably strikes out. So... Or maybe it's a home run every now and then, too. So his batting average is always going to be low, but his on-base is always going to be pretty good. Um, so let's move on to the second-base position. Uh, I very much like our odds here. It's uh, Gavin Lux and Chris Taylor against the great Jake Cronenworth and maybe Hassan Kim if he even makes the opening day roster, which is now in question. Oh, jeez. God, can he hit a 90-mile-per-hour fastball is the question. Want to start us off, Greg? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think this is this guy, Hassan Kim. Let me like tell you, Hassan Kim. <laughs> um, no, my thoughts are all Crone Zone. Um, I think when there when there were those um, rumors that hater for Crone and other stuff, I think we were all pretty unhappy. I think we were all pretty yeah. sad. I mean, 
I want to go back to, you know, first off, yes, did he did he regress in the second half of the season? He did. But look at his playoff stats. I mean, he was strong during the playoffs and even had, I think, the clinching home run um, against the uh, the Cardinals to really steal it. Uh, I love Cronenworth. Hassan Kim, yeah, the guy, the guy has a pretty tough life right now in terms of coming to, uh, you know, the U.S. for the first time. You know, having to deal with 95 mile per hour fastballs compared to his, you know, 83 to 85 he's been hitting against this entire time. And of course, like it's just changing your entire life and not speaking the language. So I have, uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to be patient with him uh, for sure. Uh, but Gavin Lux, are you kidding me? Like the fact that that guy was rated as a higher prospect than Cronenworth is laughable to me right now. Gosh, I can't wait to see him go 0 for 15 against the Padres in his first 15 at bats. It's going to be wonderful. Gavin Lux, more like Gavin sucks. Oh, right? got him! Hey, oh. <laughs> hey, oh. He's got torched. <laughs> Joe, let's go to you next on this one. Yeah, I mean, Gavin Lux, this was a guy that was supposed to be on the opening day roster last year, and they optioned him to AAA to start the season. And I think he's he's a bust. He, a lot of upside that, that just isn't going to get it done. I think Chris Taylor might play more games at second base than Lux uh, for L.A. this year. Uh, but, yeah, I think Cronenworth is clearly the guy um, that's better than the Dodgers at this point. He got robbed of NL Rookie of the Year last year. Um, I, I thought he was the best rookie and the National League last season, and I think his ceiling is just going to continue to grow as he continues to play. He seems like a very good, well-rounded baseball player, and I'm happy he's a Padre. RJ? Yeah, and, you know, to Greg's point, even though Cronenworth did have kind of a slump in the second half of the year, kind of, you know, pretty much all the Padres except for Machado did at one point, you know, so it's nothing crazy there. Um, excited for him and, you know, what he brings, especially defensively. And I think Kim, you know, will kind of be eased in the lineup, you know, should be able to provide like a good spark here and there when the team needs it. I mean, long season, so we'll, we'll need everybody there. Um, but yeah, I, you know, Chris Taylor is just that every man's utility grinder player. You know, he's he's high high floor, but not a high ceiling. And I, I don't know what to expect out of Gavin Lux. So yeah, I would definitely give the edge to to the Padres there. So two one baby first on the board. Let's go. Unless you're, unless you're using Joe's scoreboard in which for three zero now. Hey, I got I got a sweep, boy. Let's go. Greg, any chance you think Marcano makes the roster opening day? You know, I was I was thinking about that. I don't think there is a chance. Um, I think the team really likes Mateo, um, and he's out of options. So I don't think the team wants to lose him. He also blew up during uh, this uh, this uh, spring training. He's actually hitting the ball to gaps. He obviously has the speed. Um, also, I know Tatis and him are very close, so I think that's important. I also think Brian O'Grady would make it over Marcano before, uh, if that's even in the conversation. I also think Kim is 100% on the roster. I, I don't think there's there's any doubt about that. Um, we are all pretty excited, though, about C.J. Abrams, right? I mean, just to take a pause yeah, there. Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, how does how does, how does the, the, do the, it? How, like, how does he do it? The stars are aligning for, you know, Hosmer to get faded to DH, Cronenworth to first, and Abrams to second all next oh, year. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. Be wow. Wow. And then Clevenger come back, and we just have the great – oh, let's not – you know, we have this year. Let's let's focus on this year. That's almost – Yeah, damn it, RJ. One year at a time, okay? <laughs> <laughs> 
you, you <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm so shit. excited. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right, let's let's go to uh to third base. We have uh Justin Turner, good ball player, and they also have Edwin Rios listed uh, who can't hit a high pitch to save his life. And then we have, of course, Manny Machado. Joe, let's start with you this time. I have a feeling you're going Justin Turner, am I right? <laughs> You know, this was one of the few positions I had to think about for a very long time. But when it was all said and done, I went with Manny. It was close. But, you know, it, it's <laughs> Manny here. Come on. I think him and Tatis have a very good chance of finishing in the top three and uh, MVP voting. I, I think Turner is done. Uh, I think he's going to regress a lot this year. Age is going to catch up with him. And Manny is one of the top ten, maybe even top five players in baseball in the National League right now. When you when you say that you had to think about it a lot, was it just because you were watching like 2020 Manny highlights for like a 15 minute period? Because uh... yeah, I even I even went back to some of 2019. Uh, you know the good the good 2019, not the bad. But yeah, that, that that's really what delayed my process. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I've actually been pretty shocked at Justin Turner's productivity the last couple of years. You, you know, as he's gotten older, like I kept, you kept expecting it to kind of fall off more, but he's been very consistent. And I'm like, you know, shout out to him. Like it's, it's been very impressive, but yeah, Manny, you know, he's, he's in his prime. He's coming off a, a near MVP finish and defensively is, is much better. So, you know, no, no stink on Turner. It just, it's just really tough to be better than Manny Machado. Yeah, I'm in total agreement there. Justin Turner is an excellent player, but I mean, come on. Manny Machado is an elite level guy. Um, MLB's top 100, which I, I don't fully agree with, had a number 18, which was just pretty darn good. All right, and then let's go to uh, another one that, uh, you know, very, very tough contest. We have the shortstop position Corey Seeger versus Fernando Tatis. Uh, RJ, what do you think? I think, I think it's a tough one for you. This is very, <laughs> this is very close. I'd I'd argue this is the you know the closest matchup of the of the, what the two rosters. Oh um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Will's Will's my boy, but I mean, let's let's be honest. Pookie Betts is better. Huh? Uh, no, um, you know, <laughs> Seeger uh, had a great comeback year last year. You know, obviously after the injury. Um, his productivity shrunk and, you know, defensively he, he's been pretty consistent, but you look at Tatis and his upward trajectory, I think ultimately like he'll be better than Seager this year. Their numbers will probably be like very close, if not, you know, one, one leaning one way versus the other in certain categories. Um, but obviously you have the edge of Tatis in Tatis. We trust he's their boy. Let's go Tatis. Greg, talk some sense into RJ here. Look, Corey Seager played fine in the playoffs. He's a, he's, he's a good shortstop, but he has no generational talent. Um, Tatis is the – I think Tatis is the best player in baseball right now. I, I just – I think it's pretty clear how he impacts the team. And I'm going to say vibes are a big part of that too. Like, he already has more playoff wins – and by far hits home runs than Mike Trout. And I think he does a lot more for the team than Mike Trout. I think that's, I think that's important. I, I just think Tatis is – we haven't even, uh, you know, touched his ceiling yet. I don't even think he has a ceiling. Tatis wins. If you, 
If you weren't supporting Tatis, I would have so many issues with the stats that you just I, dropped. I don't see how you could, but let's go on to Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the fact that we're debating Tatis against Seager is making me nauseous. Agreed. It's Tatis, so let's just move on. Why are we even wasting time? Well, because RJ apparently is such a Seager lover. I can't believe this. I mean, I thought this was going to be the quickest position, and, and we're talking about it like we're talking about the catchers. RJ Come was on, like, acting like he's deciding between his children. Unbelievable. I'm trying to, I'm trying to you know, keep it even keel for our, the other listeners oh, of this pod. Everybody you know? knows we're biased. It's the pod squad pod. Come on. It isn't called Mountain Coast Hoops Unbiased, RJ. All right? Yeah. Agree. Agree. Thank you, Greg. Again. Pod <laughs> Pod squad, pod, and bias. <laughs> but all, yeah, quick. Yeah, to, to give Corey Seager some respect here, I, he was, I want to say he was like number five on the MLB top uh, shortstops, which was ridiculous. I would take Seager over Story any day of the week, but that's not the debate we're having here. Uh, we're talking about, like Greg said, arguably the best player in the sport. So, uh, no, I, I am not taking Seager. To me, there's a big four in baseball. It is. Trout, it is Betts, it is Soto, and it's Tatis. I think you can put those four in any order you want. If you want to talk to me about anyone else being in that four, I'm going to look at you a little crooked. Uh, but let's go. This is, <laughs> but this is like comparing Mahomes to Matt Ryan. Like, come on. Yeah, I, I think it's maybe like Mahomes to, to you know, uh, Russell Wilson when he's cooking. Uh, but, yeah, I, I feel you. It's, 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 <laughs> we just don't have anything. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Matt Ryan, that's kind of insulting yeah, to Corey Seager. Matt Ryan won an MVP. <laughs> that's, the, you know, that's a fair point. All right, well, let's, let's go on to the outfield. It looks like our left field batter will be the great Tommy Pham versus A.J. Pollock. Uh, Greg, why don't you lead us off? Yeah, you know, I actually do like A.J. Pollock as a player. I, he's one of those guys that always gives me – nerves when he's up at the plate with runners in scoring position that being said i have a ton of faith in tommy fam um everything that guy's been through being stabbed you know uh having bad vision and uh still just like like the, re- <laughs> the reason he the reason he lived after being stabbed was because he has so much muscle in his back like that that's pretty tight but to to be honest tommy fam um has like if you watch him during that, if you watch him during that Cardinal series, I think that demonstrated everything we need to know about Tommy. He is a big game player. He uh, has the mentality of success, and he's again, I, I keep saying this, but a huge locker room guy. Um, I think we're gonna see a a really big impact player this year. I think we're gonna see quite an improvement and really get the player that we thought we were getting. Uh, when we did that deal originally. I'm going to give Tommy the, uh, the go here. Joe. Yeah, I'm going with Tommy Pham as well. I love his intensity. He's one of the more intense guys on the team. He's buddies with Blake Snell. I'm sure he's, uh, you know, m- making sure that Blake Snell is comfortable and introducing him to everybody. And Pham's a guy you want in your clubhouse. Like Greg said, he's a veteran. He's seen and done everything. He has the playoff experience. And I think Tommy Pham, he's been leading off a couple of spring training games. That that might be a spot for him this season. We'll see. But he's been absolutely crushing the ball. He's hit a couple of home runs lately that have traveled over 400 feet. So he seems locked in for uh, opening day next week. And I can't wait to see what he can do this year for us. 
It is pretty funny to see we still can't get fam in the two hole, even while we're resting Tatis. (laughs) (laughs) Chase does not like statistics, guys. I'm trying to get fam those extra ABs, you know, it's spring training, put them in the leadoff spot. The, uh, I think the drop off between first and second is like, it's a decimal. It's not even, it's not even a real at bat drop off. whatever. We're, We're getting off topic. Um, the uh, San Diego like radio team have been talking about how uh, since Fam has been stabbed, he's had like a little bit of like more of an attitude. He's like, "Yeah, let's go!" Like he's just ready to like go at all times, which I kind of get. Like if I got stabbed and got like two hundred some stitches in my back, I'd probably be a little more tense and like ready to go. But I, I like that. Like it's a good fire in the lo- in the locker room. Um, Pollock is definitely on the older side, like still productive, but. You know, just just not what he was in his prime, whereas Fam has been, like, super consistent over the last couple of years. Obviously, last year was a bit of a down year with the injuries, but really started to come alive in the postseason. I think he carries that momentum in. And as Joe pointed out, we've already kind of seen that in the spring training game. So, yeah, I'm excited. I give the nod to Fam. You can call us biased, whatever. It's it, Like Greg said, it's a pod squad pod, not pod squad pod unbiased. <laughs> if only nineteen King stabbed him last year, you know, he probably would be doing this. Oh my God! I would have lost it. I would have been like, "Do you see?" Taylor was there, just randomly. (laughs) (laughs) He was the guy in the matching outfit with Pam. I promise. (laughs) All right, so let's take this show to uh, to center field, where we have Cody Bellinger versus Trent Grisham. Also, O'Grady has been playing awesome baseball in the spring. Uh, Let's let's start with you, Joe. You know, this is the first time I'm going against the Padre. I got to go with Bellinger. I love Trent Grisham. I I think his bat is a little bit inconsistent. I do like that he got the gold glove last year coming off of a season where he was uh, the guy that screwed things up for Milwaukee in the playoffs on that grounder. So I think his confidence defensively is back. I think he's a a very pivotal guy in our lineup to have, um, especially around like the 6-7-8 part of our lineup. But you got to go with Cody Bellinger here, as much as it pains me to say. You have Bell- you have uh, Grisham hitting sixth, seventh, or eighth. Yeah, I'd I like him more at the bottom than at the top, to be honest. Weird, interesting. I mean, if Fam plays like this, I get the I argument, think, yeah. but I, I think Grisham's definitely going to start. If assuming he's healthy, going to start the year at the top of the order. Yeah, he he benefits from being um, a left-handed bat because when you know you start looking at the top half of our lineup, it's like all right-handed, so it's nice to sprinkle him in there up top. Um, but yeah, I unfortunately got to give the nod to Bellinger. Um, you know, it's it's nothing against Trent. He he was great for us last year. Great, you know, a huge uh, defensive monster out there. That was a pleasant surprise, especially since you know everybody was bitching and moaning like, oh, don't put him in center. He can't defend, even though it was like one ground ball to like, you know, as a little like black spot on his like defensive career. Um, but yeah, Bellinger, you know, the power the speed and that stupid effing catch in the postseason. God, I still hey, see that in my sleep. It's okay. Deep breaths. I hope so. But, but yeah, I mean, um, really excited for uh, Trent to keep building off what he built last year and uh, you know, it's it's definitely not a, a knock against him. It's just Bellinger is a is a very good player. So just to just to add to this, I do want to defend Trent a bit on this spot. I don't think we're obviously making him seem bad, but if you look at 
Trent and uh, Louis Roberts' uh, uh, stats hitting-wise, Trent was, like, a significantly better hitter last year, but obviously Robert has all the uh, accolades because he's this high prospect. But the thing that Trent has more than anybody is if he's, like, motivated and he's pissed off, like, that's the type of trend we want to see. That being said, you know, I do have to give it to Bellinger uh, as well. Obviously, former MVP. I think we're all pretty terrified when he's up at the at, at the plate. Uh, he's got a nice lefty swing, which I never like to watch on the Dodgers. Um, but Joe, I do want to comment on your Trent hitting six, seven, eight. You know what's what is interesting about that is in spring training, Jace has hit Cronenworth a lot at the two spot. I just wonder with Bam crushing the ball, like, do you think we might see a Bam one? Crone two, Tatis three, Machado four, and then uh, Hosmer, Will, Trent. At that point, I mean that that's, that lineup sounds pretty tight too. There's so many fun lineup alterations that we have. Uh, yeah, I, I just think there's going to be a lot of flexibility. I don't, I don't see guys in the same spot in the lineup every given day outside of like Tatis and Machado. Um, but I think we saw it last year. Grisham was leading off a couple games then. At one point in the season, he was in the eighth spot. So we, we've bounced him around. So that's kind of just where that thought was coming from. I got to say, though, I, I don't want to hit Tatis personally any lower than second. So yeah. you, you can talk me into Cronenworth maybe leading off and dropping Grisham down in the order. I, I'm here for that because Cronenworth sees a lot of pitches too. But hitting Tatis lower than second is going to be a tough sell for, for me personally. That doesn't mean they won't do it. Uh, but I do have to say, Grisham, I absolutely love his swagger. There is yeah. nobody that pissed off Dodgers fans more last season than Trent Grisham. <laughs> so you know what? That makes me happy. So, Trent, I love you. I'm going Bellinger, but I love you, Trent. All right. Let's move on to right field. And I know, RJ, this one has to hurt. Mookie Betts versus Will Myers. Will was unbelievable last year, guys. Can we, like, not – can we acknowledge that? Will Myers is good, and he is – you know what he is also great at? Social media. He has been killing the Twitter game. Will Myers, a thousand times better than Mookie Betts, a stupid-ass GQ magazine cover bullshit or whatever. Hey, Mookie, your hair's looking pretty weak, bro, okay? Will's uh, freaking awesome, all right? So hair game, Will definitely has the advantage there. And uh, that's why I'll stop talking. His spring has been phenomenal so far, too. So hopefully that just continues to, uh, to carry over to the season. Yeah, how do we uh, how do we get the Wayne Kirby Will Myers uh, you know TV show? I think that's a 10, 10 episode Netflix series right there. Uh, I, I their 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 connection is absolutely wonderful. Unfortunately, the Dodgers do have one of the best players in baseball. Uh, Mookie is spectacular, but luckily we have a we have a new pitcher on our roster that uh, knows how to knows how to get Mookie out pretty uh, pretty well uh, from uh, from history. Uh, that we've seen. Joe, I, I feel like you're going to take Myers. You know, in all seriousness, this was a tough call. It, it was really close. But you know, I'm more mad at Boston. What the hell? Like, why? Why, of all Such- the teams you trade Mookie to, you trade him to L.A.? Such a great point, Joe. They got they got nothing back. Nothing. Yeah, like Peanuts. Alex, Alex Verdu- Verdugo? Who gives a shit? Like, trade him to someone else in the NL that has, you know, a better farm system. Like, I don't know, the Padres or something. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. I'm <laughs> mad at Boston. I'm going with Mookie, but it's Boston's fault. Well, with all that cap space they could have signed, they could have, or they saved, they could have signed a generation talent like Mookie Betts or something, you know? It's just 
Ah, oh, Boston, you've you've stupid, stupid, stupid white people. It's a pain that we're gonna have to be dealing with for the next decade, which is uh, which is very frustrating. But yeah, let's let's go on to the uh, the starting pitch hey. here. Oh yeah, go ahead, Greg. I would say, would you rather have to deal with Mookie Betts for the next decade or Tatis for the Greg. next decade? Greg. <laughs> oh, my God. Rather than deal with Mookie Betts. He's like 97 years old at this point. Uh, uh, it's like comparing Mahomes yeah, to Matt Ryan. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> 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 now we're talking, Joe. Now we're talking. It's more like comparing Mahomes to Eli Manning, wow. in my opinion. You just can't I mean, get out of that Eli shadow. <laughs> yeah, coming from Eli, it makes sense that you included him in this spot. You know what? It's like comparing Patrick Mahomes to Eli Scott. Oh. That's what it's doing. <laughs> so, uh, for those of you keeping track at home, uh, the position totals are four to four. Uh, Dodgers and Padres. So, pretty pretty even right now. Let's get uh, into I, the. Uh, I, I had it six to two. Just want to point that out. That, that's fair, Joe. <laughs> and Joe and Joe happens to be the tiebreaker. So, for the position players, go no. All right, so let's let's do the uh, the starting pitchers. So, the starting pitchers for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Clayton Kershaw, Walker Bueller, <coughs> Trevor Bauer, Tony Gonsolin, and Julio Arias. Obviously, Padres. I'm going to personally take the Padres myself. I love our rotation, especially at the top with Darvish and Snell. And knock on wood, well, Matt looked pretty good. Hit yesterday. 98. Looked pretty good. Looked pretty good. Threw one slider. Looked pretty good. <laughs> so who are you taking, Greg? What rotation? You know, well, I think – First off, I'm not very afraid of Bauer. I'm actually more afraid of both uh, Dustin May and Gonsolin over Bauer. I'm excited to play Bauer. I think the big piece for the Dodgers starting rotation is what David Price are they going to get? I think Walker Buehler is going to be Walker Buehler. He is super good. Um, Also, obviously, uh, Clayton is Clayton, but, you know, they, like they have a lot of stock in David Price right now. I mean, they're I think they're expecting quite a bit out of him, and you know, hopefully they uh, see a pretty pissed off, like not effective uh, David Price. That's kind of what my thoughts are. Um, I think for us, our starting rotation really comes down to Paddock. Uh, if we if we are able to see the Paddock that we all know and love, the Sheriff uh, locating the fastball, that new cutter is effective not just hanging the curveball like, uh, you know, the way I used to pitch it. Uh, and then, obviously, the dirty changeup. You know, I, I think we have a pretty damn good squad. And uh, I want to commend Joe on something. Joe, uh, we were talking about our young lefties in a few podcasts ago. And uh, I have to say, the, uh, the lefty, Morajon, the one that Joe said that he's pretty much most excited for for the season, has only proven that he is going to be dominant uh, coming up this year based off his spring well, training. Well, thanks, Greg, hours. for that. I completely forgot I made that statement. But uh, bes- <laughs> besides, uh, just to piggyback <laughs> off of that, I-, I do like the Padres rotation. I think we could go possibly seven deep. Uh, you're talking about Snell, Darvish, Musgrove, Paddock, Morahone, Lamette when he's healthy. Uh, Mackenzie Gore might get called up possibly. Um, Weathers, I'm assuming, will be in the bullpen, but he could get a spot start here and there. I just like the depth and the options we have. Not saying the Dodgers don't have that either. I mean, they have, you know, their big three in Bauer, Bueller, and Kershaw. But like Greg said, Price is a question mark. May Gonsolin and Urias are all young guys that are really good. So I, I think these rotations are very even. But I, I give the, the edge uh, to the Padres just because I think Snell 
and Darvish are a better one-two than Bueller, Kershaw, or Bueller, Bauer. I don't know how the Dodgers are going to do that, but I think the Padres, they, they have experience. They have, you know, hungry players. I think Musgrove and Snell are really, you know, excited to start the season, especially Snell getting pulled in uh, game six. And Musgrove was dealing with injury last year, so he wants to bounce back. We, we've talked about Paddock wanting to bounce back, so I think our rotation is going to be hungry and ready to get after it. Yeah, I, I think the difference in the rotations kind of comes down to two things. One being the the health of Denelson Lamette. You know, if he can uh, get kind of ease into the season and get going back to where he was last year, he definitely gives our, our staff an edge. He's, you know, he's one of the best pitchers in baseball. Um, and then it's also going to come down to Chris Paddock versus David Price. You know, the last time we saw David Price – very inconsistent, you know, would show flashes of the old price, but you know, he's, he's older now he's been hit around. He's, he's got a lot of mileage on that arm. So if Paddock can outperform price, it definitely gives our staff the edge and, you know, Paddock's still super young. I think he can be that, that solid starter in the rotation. And and that's what I'm really looking forward to this year. So yeah, I, I too give us the edge um, given those two factors. Yeah, there's a lot of question marks in, in both rotations. I think that there are two elite elite pitchers. That's Walker Bueller for the Dodgers and then obviously Blake Snell for us. I think that you can make an argument that everybody else could go either way. Um, but, you know, like I said, I'm going to give the edge to the Padres here. It honestly wouldn't shock me if David Price moved to the bullpen for the Dodgers. I, I don't know. After sitting out last year to extend him out as a starter again, I don't know. That seems pretty dicey at his age, but we'll see how that goes. I, I- uh, and then last, I was going to say, oh, I'm curious too if, if Urias stays a starter all year because they've he's clearly been more effective out of the pen, and to try to go back to him as a starter, you know, uh, curious to see if that that pans out. Maybe he's only like a five or six inning guy, and once or twice through the rotation through the lineup, and then they pull him. But he he's another one who I could see. You know, we're just going to stick you in the pen and count you in the postseason for that. He's, like, never been good in the regular season either. He weirdly has done really well in the playoffs, which is, you know, kind of ideal if you're the Dodgers. But I I don't know why he hasn't been very good in the regular season. Now that he's been terrible, he just has, like, in the playoffs, he's lights out. Yeah. Dustin May is also kind of a weird one, like, in that his stuff is really filthy, but, like, he's also really inconsistent. So it's it's interesting. Both staffs are very intriguing, and I'm, I'm excited for it. All right, now let's just quickly talk about the bullpens here. This is where I have the most concern as a Padres fan. Uh, Joe, what do you think of these two bullpens? You know, the Padres seem to have a lot of health issues with the bullpen already, which is concerning. Um, But I think we have a lot of depth. I mean, you look at the top half, you have Melanson, Pagan, Pomerantz. Uh, Mentioned Weathers probably being in the bullpen. You have Pierce, Johnson, Timmy Hill. um, Camarena. Hey, Camarena might be the ninth inning. I'm, I'm not even joking. But I think if if one guy goes down, we have the depth to replace him. I mean, we have Kayla from Pittsburgh that was their closer. Um, so although it might be a shaky start for the Padres, depending on the health of some of these guys, I think they do have the depth to uh, pick up where they left off when, when the bullpen was clicking last year. And I think Pagan's going to have a, a bounce-back season. So... I'm, I'm going to give the edge to the Padres. I think Kelly Jansen's an awful closer option for LA. I know they um, they have Joe Kelly, who's also very inconsistent. 
Gratterall has the most punchable face in baseball. I don't even want to talk about that guy. But, you know. <laughs> the, the human <laughs> gas can? You know, the Dodgers, the, their bullpen is always an issue for them every year. And they always fix it somehow with a trade or getting by by moving a guy out of the rotation into their bullpen like they did last year. So they always find a way. They'll always make a trade or do something. Uh, I just think the Padres' depth is slightly better than what L.A. has right now. Yeah. Yeah. Greg, what do you think of these pens? Um, I think I, I'm trying to look at it as if I'm going to like look at position, like person to person. Like I would say, our strongest reliever is Pomerantz right now, um, and I would say theirs is uh, Blake Trinan. I think Trinan's very, very good against the Padres. I think he's proven that he's you know they bring him in to face Tatis. Like that is what Trinan has been, and then get that last out of the inning or so with Tatis up uh, with runners in scoring position. Um, that being said, like. Kenley Jensen, if that, that's their closer, I'm excited for ninth innings. Like, I, I think that is going to be awesome. Um, and I agree with Joe. I actually think our pen is a lot deeper than we're giving credit. Um, also, like, you know, Austin Adams, I think it's unfortunate that he's potentially going to start on the injured list. That being said, like, we have a lot of arms. We have a lot of people competing. And we're going to have to leave some really good players off of the roster because we just have too many. Um, I am really excited about Melanson. Also looked at his uh, turf company. Seems like it's a great business for him. Um, so you know what? I, I am going to give this to uh, the Padres. I, I believe we have a stronger pen. Is Pomerantz okay? Do we know? that? Like, They're expecting him to him be to... on the opening day roster from everything I'm reading. <clears throat> All right, that's 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 very scary to me, but we'll we'll definitely have the best there. We're talking bullpen. I just want to give a shout out to Kirby Yates. Feel terrible for you, man. Like I know you're a big listener of this podcast. Um, we, uh, we love you, friend of the pod. Uh, we love you. We're sad to hear about you, and we just want to say that one season was one of the best closing seasons uh, we could have asked for. Without a doubt, we always will love Kirby. He. Me, I mean, as good as Hoffman was, Trevor, uh, Kirby Yates was just as good in that one season a few years ago. So, mad respect to him. RJ, what's our final count? What, how did this end up showing out? Uh, so I didn't get to talk about the pitching staffs but, or the no, bullpen, but whatever. I mean. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I was going to say the. I think the closer role for both squads is the, the biggest question mark, and it's very likely that uh, the opening day closer on both teams is not the same closer in the playoffs. Um, Jansen, yeah, it's he's uh, he's turned into a one-pitch player. And, you know, in the history of baseball, uh, Mariano Rivera was kind of the only one that did that successfully. So he's very – he seems – he's getting a lot easier to pick up on what he's throwing and, and how to hit him. So, like, to, to your guys' point – I'm not worried when Jansen gets on there. I think it should be a huge negative. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm pretty sure Gratterall has the highest exit velocity uh, in the history of baseball. So I'm pretty sure that's a big negative enough. Uh, you know, you can't have a human gas can on your on your rotation expect to be better. So I'm going to give the nod to the Padres solely on the fact that they don't have uh, uh, hey, the human Toddy's gas gonna can. Toddy's going to be hunting, man. Toddy's going to be hunting. I mean, all he's got to do is really stick his bat out. I mean, Gratterall is just going to make it, you know, fly. So, you know, it'll be easy. Yeah, there, there can't be enough hate on this podcast for Gratterall. I'm, I'm, I'm here for all of that. 
for forever, pretty much. <laughs> we forgot one important part, you guys, uh, and I think actually maybe two. The first one is head coach. I think we got. I think we got to bring that one out, and then the second one is just team vibes. I mean, come on, who doesn't want to be a San Diego Padre right now? But uh, Tyler, I'm going to throw this out to you because uh, you've been. Uh, you know, the one that's uh, been coach-wise. Who do you think has a better head coach? Uh, I think this is probably the biggest mismatch on the board. I think it's Chase Tingler over Dave Roberts. Uh, the Dodgers win in spite of Dave Roberts. The you know, I think Jace Tingler, all the guys in the clubhouse seem to love him. Obviously, we, we had a moment where we were a little upset uh, with his words about Tatis, but Fernando's fine with it. Clearly, he's signed on forever. Um, so... All the, and, I, you know, my inside source has told me that, that the guys in the, on the team really like Jace. And, and Dave Roberts is an, an absolute moron with his handling of the bullpen. So I'm going to go with Jace. <laughs> the doc. Disgraceful. Pathetic. The worst manager in the league, and yet somehow has a ring. I don't know. Well, I, I, I would argue that uh, Joe Madden no is the no is, way. Is, is worst. Maybe Gabe Kapler, but not, not Joe Madden. Dave, Dave Roberts. game season ring tie. Even Walker, even Walker Joe, said it wasn't a real ring. Well, I didn't hear that, but I'm glad to hear Walker admit that because that's, that's very true. <laughs> Joe Madden did everything in his power to make the Cubs lose, and they still won in spite of him. I mean, that's just, it's just an impressive Dave job. Dave Roberts did that same thing for seven years. The only difference is that they lost. <laughs> exactly you know his coaching matter joe madden's coaching doesn't matter it, it's it's you know there we go is it would anyone take dave roberts over jace tingler no i love jace yeah uh, <laughs> nah, why would guys, i yeah this is like comparing I, I, Mahomes to matt ryan like come on <laughs> <laughs> well said joe well said <laughs> Uh, and then vibes, vibes <laughs> is definitely padres as well i mean the dodgers seem boring as hell we don't want to go play for them I, who's there? Who's exciting on their team? Oh, like, is it is it the gas right. can? <laughs> uh, they lost their biggest locker okay. room guy. I think he. And then they brought in the worst locker room guy in baseball. <laughs> yeah. How are they going to deal with that? Guys, we didn't even talk about Bauer. Let's address oh, Bauer. Let, for hold for on, our RJ, listeners wait, out on, there, I want to point this. Open, please. <laughs> 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 for our listeners out there, I would like to point out that Joe and Greg were pounding on the table for hold power on, hold on. all offseason. I was just driving up the price so L.A. would pay him more money. Heady I play. didn't really want Heady him. play. Uh, heady, yeah, heady play. And to be fair, they had also been gaslighting Chris Paddock all of last year at any chance they got. And I made the simple observation that if they did not like how Chris Paddock and acted last year, Bauer's 100 times worse. And it's spring training, and we're already seeing it. Everyone on our team loves to face Bauer. We're going to light that dude up. I'm expecting his ERA to be in the eights, uh, just against us, yeah, solely. At what point in the season do they give the 2020 Cy Young to you, Darvish, because of you know seeing how much of a fraud Bauer was, actually? Yeah, getting the pitch against the, that horrible competition last year, Bauer's stats were, uh, were pretty inflated. So I, I'm definitely not scared of Bauer. I, think some, I don't remember which one of you said it, but... Definitely would rather see Bauer on the hill than either May or Gonsolin. So, Gonsolin like worked us last Gon- year. I know. <laughs> yeah, just could not hit Gonsolin. Wait, is is Gonsolin the right? What? Which one's no, the lefty Victor out Gonzalez. of the pen? 
That guy's really good too. That okay, that dude's yeah, that di- that guy's really good. Uh, Gonsolin, I he's another one where I'm like he was kind of like uh what's his name? Stripling. Where, like Stripling would pitch. So I'm like I don't understand how we don't hit him. Like I know he's got the curveball but like sit back on it and then we kind of figured him out. That's kind of how I feel about Gonsolin. I'm like, yeah, like 97. I don't know. Like a pretty good split. Like Stripling was throwing like an 89 yeah, miles an hour plus ball up there. It was like, and then Tatis hit it to the moon. But before that, <laughs> there was like a little bit of some struggles. Oh my gosh. That was. That's fair. It just seems like other teams don't struggle with Gonsolin. But, and I don't know. Dustin Mays, his ball, he's like 98 mile an hour two scenes. And I'm like, I kind of get how we could yeah. not hit him at a certain point because you don't know where it's going to go. Especially when Manny's up. Those are some tough videos to watch. <laughs> yeah. Those are tough. Yeah. Manny can't wait for Bauer to be out there instead of Manny. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's going to be great. It's going to be wonderful. Um, to, to finish up this podcast, guys, uh, and Tyler, we'll start with you. Uh, just name the thing you're most excited about with uh, the season upon us. I, I know we ripped them earlier, but I'm excited to actually get to go to some games. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine if you would have told me two years ago, there'd be a year where I didn't go to a game. I would have never believed you. I couldn't even imagine the circumstances it would have taken for that to happen. But a global pandemic is one of those circumstances. So I just incredibly excited to be back at the game. Uh, I will be there on the seventh. So excited for that one. Love that. Joe. I mean, this is the most anticipated Padre season I can remember in my lifetime. And I think we're going to win at least 95 to 110 games. And I just can't wait for the playoffs, but I want to enjoy the ride of uh, the regular season. I, like I said, this is going to be the most memorable season, I think, in Padre history in our lifetime. Because going all the way back to 98, we were all, what, six, seven years old when that happened. We don't really remember it that well. And yeah. this just feels like a window of Padres baseball where – we're going to remember it for the rest of our lives. I can name the entire starting lineup in uh, from 98. So speak no, for yourself. No, on I, our, can't, no, I can't. Well, I'm uh, on YouTube as we well, RJ. We didn't like, uh, <laughs> we didn't like appreciate it because we were just like little kids. It, it, no, you're, that is a very good point. Like I was like, I remember being like, oh, the Potters will just make the world series next year. And here we are. Um, no, I'm I'm very excited for uh, for opening day. Unfortunately for Tyler, I can go. Um, so just love the atmosphere on on the first day of the season. I am up in the frickin' boondocks, but whatever, it'll still be great. And then yeah, you know, always excited for my boys, especially Will. Can't wait for him to build off last year and continue the Will Myers is good campaign. Um, Greg, after you tell us what you're most excited for too, I want to throw this around as well. Uh, Season totals for the Padres and Dodgers. How many wins are both oh, clubs wow. getting? That's a good one. Um, yeah, the thing really quickly that I'm most excited for is I am just I, – I can't I, I can't even level my excitement right now for seeing you, Darvish, and Blake Snell pitch. I mean, it is, it is so fun to see just dominant starters go out there. Uh, when we had PV in his heyday, I mean, was it – there was nothing more exciting than, you know, getting to watch a PB game, especially going to it live, as Tyler, you said. Um, I think it's going to be super fun uh, just watching those guys pitch and then also having a dope lineup to back them up. Um, and then in terms of win totals, ooh, that's, that's, that's tough. It's, it, I think it's going to be, 
I think it's going to be really close by a couple of games. I think Padres, I think they get to what, I'm going to say 101. I'm going to say 101 wins for the Padres. Whoa. Dodgers, I'm going to say 97. I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go, uh, I'm gonna go 107 wins for the Padres. Feeling feeling pretty good about this. <laughs> and I'm gonna say the Dodgers sneak into the wild card after play on the road after a 91 win season. I'm gonna say a 16 game <laughs> division win for your San Diego Padres. <laughs> I'm gonna see, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna get in in front of you, Joe, because I'm gonna I'm gonna supply a realist. Uh, expectation and then joe can just obliterate it because otherwise i'm gonna look real stupid going last i'm gonna (laughs) i'm gonna say 98 wins for the padres it'll be a subtle reference back to our last world series run and i'm gonna go 95 wins for the dodgers i think it's gonna be really close especially towards all right ty you said 107 i did all right i'm gonna go 162 for the padres (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in all seriousness, I'm going to go Padres 105, and for LA, I'm going to give them 99. They they can't break 100, just shy. So uh, a six game uh, division win for the uh, Padres. Do do we know what the two highest win totals of like a first and second place team in a division yeah. have been? Feel like we're throwing out some there big numbers. Games. There, it's been a, it's happened a, a couple of times where two teams won 100 games in the same uh, division. I would be absolutely livid if I won 100 100 games and like was in second place. That's so freaking tough to do in a baseball season, and you're just like these the stupid these stupid Yankees. That's see, that's the scary thing right there. Is I do yeah. think the Mets are probably the other wild card. So what other team? between us or the Dodgers don't win the division. Obviously, most likely the Dodgers. It's going to have to deal with the Grom just to even get into the best of five. Knowing the Mets, though, they're going to mess up the rotation, and it's going to be like Lucchese out there. So fun. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of hope that, you know, Fraudman just brings the the Braves down a little bit on a bounce back here. They still feel the – the wrath of that three three one upset, and they actually end up as the wild card team. Yeah, geez, yeah, it'll be exciting. I'm, I, I'm how about how about that. we just win the division and not even worry about the wild card boys? I think that's the best play. Okay, I, I already told and you we're winning it by sixteen games. Yeah, that's true. Wait, Greg, are you saying we should win every game you know, we play? That would be super tight. We have we have the bullpen to do well, so. Well, hold on. Shouts to Mr. Furson from Cathedral Catholic. Uh, little known strategy. A lot of teams lose games early in the season. So the rest later on. So that's the strategy that I remember being in that class, like, what? This guy's supposed to teach me geometry. <laughs> Man, go pod. Hey, Jace, give, uh, give Camarena some uh, time in the spring training game in uh, the next couple of days. We want to see him pitch again. Damn it, Jace. Give him a chance. Nobody wants to see Mason Thompson for the 20th time. All right? You can't see Camarena out there. Hey, give, give some innings to Nabil Crestmat too, while you're oh, out. Yes. Amen. Amen. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that concludes another episode of the Pod Squad Pod. Uh, looking forward to the season and all you crazy Padres fans out there. For RJ Shanks, Greg Cohen, Tyler Miho, and Joe Avila, we'll see you next time.